Good evening, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach right here on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. And so as I ask you every Saturday evening, the question is, are you living the best life possible? And that is the goal for all of us. The reason we tune in. Well, it's good to be back with you guys. I'm happy to be here. I'll tell you, today was quite a busy day. And now here we are for Another great time of Inspirational Perspective Radio. So I want to set the stage for today's topic because over the last month or so, the last four shows, I talked about the four lessons I learned in the last four decades. And we closed out that subject this past week, this last week, when we talked about the power of love. And again, I'm still getting great feedback from that show. So thank you guys so much for the emails, for reaching out, for the tweets, everything else. Really appreciate it. Means a lot. And so that was a really fun and cool series, right? We talked about the power of curiosity and learning. We talked about the power of focus. We talked about the power of purpose. You guys know purpose is special to me. And then last but not least, we talked about the power of of love, the power of love. So we've rounded out that series. And as I began to think about what's next, you know, what what is a good topic that I can bring to the listeners that I believe will really enhance who you are? Again, this show, Inspirational Perspective, is all about enhancing the listener. And one of the things that I've promised you all in the past is a lot of the speeches I give around the country and different parts of the world, I wanted to bring that material to you all. I wanted to bring that material to you all in a way that I believe will enhance this audience and give you the opportunity to ask questions, right? Anything that I share, you can ask questions on. And most of you all know me as a life coach. I talk about life. I talk about self-development. But one of the things that I'm often asked to do around the country in conferences, different organizations, corporate environments, as well as universities, is to talk about what's happening around the globe in the 21st century, what the 21st century is, what the 21st century is about, and also to talk about globalization as a whole and the impact that globalization is having on all of us. And so what I wanted to do tonight is bring a portion of what I do out and about that I typically don't bring to the radio. I want to bring that to you all. Now, here's the thing. This is a test. If you really enjoy this, I'm going to need your feedback. I mean, if you don't, then we can go back to the, you know, our regular scheduled program. But let me first tell you why I've decided to do this. One of the reasons I decided to bring this topic into this conversation is because I'm very aware of what's happening in our country right now. We have an election coming very soon. It it seems almost in some ways 
to me, it seems almost surreal that in a matter of maybe about a month and a half, we'll be holding the general election for the president of the United States. And all that being said, the stakes are very high. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not going to take a political position. That's not what I do. You guys know me. You know me a lot better than that. But what I will do is I'm going to give you some places to look over the next few weeks in regards to how you choose and what you choose. And how I'm going to do that is I want to talk about what's happening in the 21st century, but probably in a way that you've never heard it before. You guys know me. I don't take a topic and dissect it like most people do. Okay. I dissect topics much differently. So I'm telling you to stick with me tonight, because if you stick with me tonight, I guarantee that you will learn something that you didn't know, but also you're going to gain a perspective on a 21st century that will enlighten you. And it will allow you to use the tools that we've been talking about over the last four weeks, what we've been talking about over the past year. It would allow you to use those tools in a much more empowered way. Okay, so here's the last thing. What I'm giving you all tonight for free, people pay a lot of money for. Okay, now you might say, well, how much, Linnell? Put it like this. If I'm willing to go and travel three to 4,000 miles or, in other cases, take multiple planes to do one 60-minute speech, then you know it must be good pay. All right? So, all that being said, what I want to share with you all tonight, my audience, this is my gift to you, is my perspective on a 21st century, my perspective on globalization, the impacts that globalization has on you, And also my perspective on diversity and how diversity is impacting this nation, but not just impacting this nation, but also impacting the upcoming election. That is the topic tonight. I'm not asking any specific questions because I know as I cover this topic, you will have questions. And I I definitely want to get to those. So first and foremost, in order for me to talk about the 21st century, we first must define it. And you guys know, if we're talking about focus, I define focus. If we're talking about love, I define love. If we talk about purpose, I define purpose. And so it's no different. Let's define the 21st century. Now, if you think you know, give me a second, because I'm going to do this in a way that you probably haven't heard it done before. Okay? Because in my opinion, in order to define the 21st century, you have to go back and look at the past. And look at the past with a lens that allows us to really understand what's happening in the 21st century and identify what's in it for us, right? What's in it for you? What's in it for me? And how should you be showing up as an individual in this type of climate? Okay. So in order to do that, I'm going to take us all the way back to the Stone Age. Like I told you it was going to be different. Okay. This is not your normal 21st century conversation. All right, I'm going to take you all the way back to the Stone Age, which was 8000 BC. And what I want to do is I really want to begin to lay the foundation for how you think about the time period that we're currently in. Okay. Because what I find is most of us as adults, 
we still have a 20th century mindset. And it's one of the reasons why we're struggling the way we are right now in this particular climate because we haven't changed. We haven't changed how we think. We haven't changed how we go about our daily lives. And everything has changed. So we have to go back in time first. So humor me while I go back in time, okay? So if we look at the Stone Age, the Stone Age happened in 8,000 B.C., and it lasted for 5,000 years, okay? And stick with me. I'm going somewhere with this. And then behind the Stone Age came the Metal Age, all right? And the Metal Age lasted for 3,000 years, and the Metal Age is broken down into two different components, all right? The Bronze Age and the Iron Age, all right? So that lasted for 3,000 years. And then behind the Metal Age or the Iron and Bronze Age came the Middle Ages, right? And this was after Christ's death, 400 to 1750, okay? And this lasted for about 1,500 years, the Middle Ages, about 1,500 years. Now, hopefully you're beginning to see a trend here, okay? If we go all the way back, Stone Age lasted 5,000, Metal Age, Bronze, and Iron Age lasted 3,000. The Middle Ages lasted 1,500, okay, 1,500. The Industrial Age came after that in 1760, and that lasted to 1990, okay? So stick with me. 1990, the Industrial Age was here for 250 years. Now, can you see a trend? If you've been following me, Stone Age is 5,000, Middle Age is 3,000, Middle Ages, 1500, Industrial Age, 250. So what does that mean? The ages or the eras that we're living in are beginning to move faster. And we're moving into a time, all of us, those of us who live right now, are moving into a time where the eras are going to begin to switch on us a lot faster than they have in the past. Okay? Now, here we are. It's the information age. All right, the information age started in 1990. So those of you who listen to me week in and week out, I talk about the information age a lot. And part of what I say in the information age is here is the age where we can get access to almost anything. It's the information age. And the fascinating thing to me is in the information age, people seem to have less knowledge. It's crazy to me, but they seem to have less knowledge. Here's a time where you could literally pull up Harvard University classes online and learn from a Harvard professor, from a Stanford professor, from a Princeton professor, from a Yale professor. You can get an Ivy League education in the information age for free. Yet, many of us are not taking advantage of it. Why? Because I don't think we've even begun to understand what the 21st century is or what the information age is. I don't think we've even begun to really wrap our minds around that because, again, it started in 1990 and most of us were born before that. And because we were born before that, we don't think about it. We think about things as they were. And that is probably the first mistake that we all make in regards to the 21st century. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, here's the next thing I want you to consider. If the Stone Age lasted five years, 
The Bronze and Iron Age lasted 3,000 years. The Middle Ages lasted 1,500 years. And the Industrial Age lasted 250 years. How long will the Information Age last? Now, if you do any type of regression analysis on this, which I've had it done, then that means that the Information Age will only last between 30 to 35 years. And here we are in 2016, which means... We're 26 years in, and there's very little time left in the information age. Okay, if I'm correct. Now, I could be wrong, and the only way I think I'm wrong is if the information age ends sooner. So, now let's think about this. The information age is more than halfway over. And we still, most of us, we still haven't wrapped our minds around how to really utilize this this particular era. Okay? So, what is it that we need to know about this age, and what is it that we need to do? But more importantly, how can we begin preparing for the next era? Now, if there's anything that you should know, is that the information age is marked by something I call change squared. All right. Now, if I could put a sign in front of you right now, it would have the word change and then the exponent two on top of it. Change squared. And the reason the reason I say the information age is marked by change squared is because that is what we've experienced. Okay. hey, look at the 21st century and I'm about to get into the 21st century in detail. But the 21st century started in 2001. So basically what that means is we're only 15 years or 15 and a half years into the 21st century. Okay, so the 21st century just started. It just got going. And the 21st century, I'm about to go through at least the first 10 years for you and give you a quick review. But the first 10 years have been marked by nothing but dramatic change. Nothing but dramatic change. Okay? Somebody just told me on Periscope 16 and a half. Here's the thing. The 21st century started 2001, January 1st, 2001. Okay? Not 2000. The 21st century started 2001. The 20th century ended in 2000. Okay? And that's important to know. So 2001, okay? So let's just kind of go back in time, all right? Let's go back in time, back to 2001, and just get familiar with what, what's happened in the 21st century already, okay? Now, if you're having a hard time listening to this, you're like, this is not your regular show, and you got to trust me on something here. I don't come to the airwaves sharing anything with you all that I don't believe will enhance your life, all right? And so stick with me. I promise this will enhance your life, okay? So 2001, someone on Periscope said, terrorism living here in the USA, you are absolutely correct. Because in 2001, September 11, 2001, um, we call it 9-11, but the World Trade Centers got attacked. And that is how we opened up The 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Now, if you don't think that defines 
who we are and how this century will be remembered, you are sorely mistaken. It will define the first part of this century. When the World Trade Center got attacked, a lot of things happened. One, we became very familiar with this new term, this new term called terror. Terror. I'll tell you, I was born in the 70s. And if you said terror to me when I was 10 years old, I would think of Friday the 13th. I would think of Jason and Freddy Krueger, right? That's who I would have thought about. But now when you say terror to a 10-year-old, they think about terrorist. They think about ISIS. They think about all of these other groups because that word terror has been redefined in the 21st century. All right. Now, the other thing is we went to war with Afghanistan after that. Now, one of the things you guys know about me is I'm not just going to share what's bleak and what's bad. Okay, I want us to look at this holistically. And if we look at the 21st century holistically, then that means we need to begin to ask ourselves what else happened. What were the bright spots of 2001? Well, there were two bright spots in 2001. And both of these had to do with the information age. The first bright spot was Wikipedia was established, right? And if you're anything like me, you use Wikipedia all the time. And then the second thing that happened was that TripAdvisor was launched. All right, I'm going somewhere. So I see some callers. As soon as I get through with the with the first decade of the 21st century, I'll take your phone calls. Um, Stick with me. okay? so let's go to 2002 real quick. In 2002. A couple of things happened, but the main thing that happened was unemployment. Unemployment spiked, right? The stock market fell in 2001. Unemployment spiked. And the crazy part is graduates, anyone who graduated college in 2001 walked into a job market that was horrible. That was absolutely horrible. Okay. So unemployment jumped up. Our new graduates didn't have a job. And get this. For the first time since NATO was established, the country of Switzerland decided that they would join NATO. Now, you might say, why is that a big deal? Why does that matter? Because Switzerland up to then had made the decision that they would stay uniquely separate and neutral. But when terror took place on the shores of the United States, something happened in that country where fear gripped them. And they said, we need to belong to something. And they voted to join NATO in 2002. Okay, that's a big deal. Switzerland has been known up to that point to be the neutral country. All right. Now, behind that, LinkedIn, the website. Here's the bright spot. LinkedIn was founded. In 2002. All right. So now here we are two years into the 21st century. And this is what's going on. In 2003, we were convinced that weapons of mass destruction were in Iraq and we invaded Iraq. We toppled the establishment of Saddam Hussein. And MySpace was born. Anybody remember MySpace? Y'all remember MySpace? <laughs> I'm looking at my producer. Y'all remember MySpace? <laughs> it's coming gone since then. So let's go on here and move on to 2004. In 2004, the color revolution happened. Now, most of us in the United States, we don't know about the color revolution. So let me tell you a little bit about the color revolution. 
The color revolution was a revolution that happened in parts of Eastern Europe where countries that were not uh, democratic countries, their people basically said, hey, no more. We're tired. We're done. And they had revolutions all in one year. Some of them were percolating and took a little longer than that. But for the most part, 2004 is where it was marked. And in one year, four different countries established democratic governments in parts of Eastern Europe. Now, this is a big deal. OK, uh, Yugoslavia, um, I'm looking here, Lebanon, uh, Krakistan, Georgia, Ukraine, all the countries that participated or what we call in what we call the color revolution. All right. Now, here's the other bright spot of the information age. In 2004, Facebook was born. In 2005, YouTube was introduced. Now, remember, this is the beginning of the information age. The information age started in 1990. And in 2005, YouTube was introduced to the scene. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when you think about the fact that YouTube has just turned 11 years old, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. So if you don't think that the 21st century is special and different and that you need to have a better understanding about this century and how it impacts you, that alone should persuade you. But don't stop there. 2006. I know there's someone on Periscope was like, I can't believe it. it wasn't longer than that. I mean, but it was. It's only 2005. 2006, Twitter was introduced. Twitter was introduced. And on the dark side, North Korea conducted its first nuclear test. Okay. So again, notice what's happening. You have these bright spots in technology and these dark spots with war. And lots of conflict. Okay. That's what's marking the 21st century. All right. Now, in 2007, Nepal had a monarchy. That monarchy was overthrown. And in 2007, the other thing that happened was the iPhone was introduced. The iPhone was introduced in 2007. The iPhone is nine years old. How about that? Hey, and again, I'm putting all this in perspective because a lot of this happens so fast that many of us don't even really, we haven't really thought about, like, wait a second, the iPhone hasn't even celebrated its 10th birthday. Okay? And then something remarkable happened in 2007 as well. India elected its first female president. Okay? Now, some people might say that's not a big deal. Why is that a big deal? That's a big deal. I lived in India. And... That is a country that is not known for empowering its women. And so for that to happen in 2007, that's notable. But then came 2008, the global economy skid into another recession. And in 2009, President Barack Obama was elected and inaugurated as the first African-American president of the United States. And then in 2010, Julia Gillard became the first female elected prime minister of Australia. So, Linnell, why are you sharing this? Well, why is this something that we should know? Well, I said something we should know because that marked the first decade. And I want you to notice that for the first time in history, people who could make decisions about who their leader would be started making very different decisions than the decisions that decisions that had been made before. 
something happened to the trust. Something happened where people said, I'm tired. I'm tired of how things are. I'm tired of the way it's been going. And what's important is that I can connect to the leader. The sex of the leader is not important. Whether it's a male or female is not important. The skin color of the leader is not important. What matters to me is that this is someone who represents my choice, my views. And I'm willing to do that with whomever may be the leader chosen. Okay? So, let's do a recap of the first decade. The first decade of the 21st century was... Here's the bad. We got terror. We had war. We had economic recession. We had unemployment. Those were the things that marked the first decade of the 21st century. Now, on the good side, we had innovation. We had democratic revolution. And we had this new spark of electing and putting into power inspirational leaders, individuals who we felt represented inspirational leadership. All right. So this is important. Okay. Now imagine this. Imagine that you're a child between the ages of 12 and 18 years old. Okay. So imagine you're a child and this is the world that you live in. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think some of us need to do like almost a mental restart, a mental reboot. Because if you're born in the 70s, you're born in the 80s, you know, you're kind of like, oh, you know, this is how things are. But one of the reasons I believe millennials are having a hard time adapting to the corporate structure, all the things that are happening. We look at them and we say, what's wrong with them? But I want us to take a pause and stop and really begin to ask ourselves, what's wrong with us? We're the ones that haven't changed. We're the ones that haven't adapted to this new information age. We're the ones who don't really know what the 21st century is. They do. They grew up in it. They don't know anything else. Maybe it's time we stop thinking we know everything and we shut up and listen. And that's really where I'm coming from here. Okay. But let's continue to go. Because one of the things that I know for a fact is that all of this happening has had a tremendous impact on what happens next. And you might say, well, Anil, what happens next? Well, let me tell you a quick story, something that I read not too long ago. I actually read this a couple of years ago. And what I'm sharing with you are remnants of a speech that I wrote probably about two years ago. Okay. But. There's a company called Foxconn, okay? And Foxconn, this is, if I'm not mistaken, late 2014, Foxconn placed an order. First, let's talk about who Foxconn is, all right? Let's talk about who Foxconn is. So Foxconn is one of the major manufacturers of parts in your cell phones. So all of you who have cell phones, you have parts in your cell phones that were manufactured by the company named Foxconn, okay? And Foxconn has operations all over Asia, all right? And if I'm not mistaken, a large part of their work is done in Malaysia. Now, why is that important? I'll get to it. 
So Foxconn, this company that manufactures all your parts, well, recently they had some bad press. That's actually, I believe, at the end of 2014, about that time, if you guys remember, Apple had some bad press because it was found out that some of their parts were being produced in sweatshops in China and parts of Asia. Now, you guys probably can remember that. And Foxconn was the company that Apple was using to produce these parts. So in some ways, they had some responsibility for what you call these sweatshops. All right. Now, that's a bad PR deal for Apple. And, you know, they figured out how to bury it and make it go away. But basically what Foxconn did coming out of that is they placed an order for one million robots. Okay. So, okay, you get us in trouble for sweatshops and all that kind of stuff. We're going to replace human labor with robots. All right. Now, stay with me. I'm going somewhere here. Okay. So, one million robots. Now, here's the deal. Foxconn is one of the largest companies in the world. Now, how large? They have 960,000 employees. As a matter of fact, they may, it may be a few less than that now because they placed that order <laughs> some time ago. Okay. But they have 960,000 employees. So when they put an order out for one million robots, who do you think they were trying to place the order for? And I'm going to tell you, it's those 960,000 people that work for them. Okay? Not all of them. They're going to need somebody to fix the robots and things like that. But one of the things that we need to begin considering is in the information age, if this era is ending in the next four to five years, on the long end, maybe nine, then what is the next era? And based on my assessment, as I watch what's happening in the 21st century, as I watch how the information age, how this era has unfolded, then what I would say is that the next era is the robotic era. The robotic era. So what does that mean for you? Now, when I give this talk at universities, what I always tell people or the young people in the universities is that you are in the right place. And the reason they're in the right place is if they're trying to figure out how to use their brain to solve the world's problems in a way that problems can't be solved then basically they are aligning themselves in a way that they can actually be the ones that produce what is in the box that the robots will be shipping, okay? But let me tell you something. If right now you find yourself in a position of a laborer, if you're someone who is lifting a box every day, I'm telling you, you got to change it. So before I keep going, I'm going to take a few callers. But before that, you know, some of you are asking, you know, how do I follow you? How do I get more information? Well, if you're interested in more, you can follow me at Linnell Harris. That's L-I-N-A-L at Linnell Harris on all social media. And you can also go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page. All right. But let's go ahead and take a phone call. I got Warren. Warren, how are you? Uh, Thank you for taking my call. It's actually Lauren. Uh, and, and, and real okay, quick, my, real quick, Lauren, we got about sixty seconds, man. So I just want okay, to let you know. Okay. Uh, all right, all right. Um, if you want to know what's going to happen, I 
concur with you. You know, I invite people to watch the uh, Zeitgeist uh, movies, the trilogy. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find them online. I don't know your feeling on them, but just in general. I mean, I don't describe to it 100%. Bottom line, uh, robotic age, I guess we have a choice to, you could say, take control or have more, you could say, input from the people into the finance system and the economic system so that that technology is not exclusive just to uh, one class or one group of people, you know, the whole Mm -hmm. uh, everybody code thing. Right, right. You know. Okay. So I just think there's a possibility at the robotic age it doesn't have to be scary. You know what I mean? You know, I completely agree. And what I believe is it's just important for us to know so we can position ourselves properly. What I find happens to most of us is we get surprised, right? We're surprised when, you know, the boss comes in and says, hey, you know, I don't have a position here anymore. For you. And then you find out that a robot took your job, right? We're surprised when, you know, I just read an article that the FAA is considering that they are going to allow drones to now fly in the air, right? Because they've had an overwhelming response from people who are registering their drones And if you think that's about the people, you're sadly mistaken. That is about business. Okay. If the FAA allows people to who are licensed to fly drones, that is not for you and your little small drone to play. That is for UPS. That is for FedEx. That is for Amazon. So they can begin delivering their packages via the air. Okay. And I'm saying this. I got a buddy who works for UPS and I say, what's your plan, bro? What do you mean, what's my plan? I got a good job. No, what's your plan? Because when these drones start dropping packages, what are you going to do? This is real, folks, and this is one of the reasons why I want to share this tonight. So, you know, please, by all means, let me know how you felt about this show. You know, we talked about the 21st century, and I want to leave you all with a few more facts, okay? Here's what I believe is going to happen in the robotic era. One, it will be a cheapening of human labor. So before, you know, if you remember, my father made a lot of money, you know, using his body, right, as a laborer. Okay, that's not happening in the 21st century. That's gone. And most labor happens in other parts of the world in a very cheap way. And now they're getting rid of that and replacing that with robots. So labor, human labor is cheapened in the robotic era. Okay. The other thing to know, social media will be the dominant medium. So for those of you who are just like, "Ah, I'm not going to do social media, it will be the dominant way people communicate, the dominant way to learn in the future. It already is. Now, here's the other big thing. I'm going to end the show with this. More dollars will go to fewer employees. Now, I just read something in the USA Today that basically said 50% of people will have to subsidize their income via entrepreneurial endeavors. Now, why is that? We're going into the robotic age, okay? Last but not least, let me leave you with some numbers. The net worth of Twitter, 2 billion, 2,700 employees. The net worth of LinkedIn, 7.5 billion, 5,000 employees. The net worth of Facebook, 30 billion, 6,500 employees. The net worth of Google, 350 billion, 44,000 employees. I worked for a company years ago with close to 44,000 employees, and the cap 
the cap was five billion. Google was doing three hundred and fifty billion with the same number. Fewer people doing more work with technology. That's the future. How are we going to prepare ourselves? All right, this is Linnell Harris. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. Have a great evening. And as I always say, get inspired. It's a lifestyle choice.